Hey, what's up, everybody, and thank you for hitting the play button on this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience, featuring my conversation with Jason Lewing from the Steam Boys Radio Show. But first, I want to tell you about a great album by my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their single Carne Asada and Twin Peaks, which is also the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can find Murder Mystery Night on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you want to follow them on social media, just find them on Facebook, search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and they're also on Instagram and Twitter, at Wranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Diamond. Experience! Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of July 30th, 2015. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. And it's actually a very dreary and rainy afternoon here in Pensacola. I'm sitting in my brand new apartment watching it rain. It's Wednesday afternoon around 345 Central Standard Time as I record this open. I've just gotten off of work. I'm ready to enjoy a nice four-day weekend. Something that doesn't happen very often, but whenever it does, I definitely take advantage of it. And I plan on catching up on some freelance projects, binge-watching some shows, catching up on shows that I've fallen behind on due to work and not really having that much time to do anything. But I'm very much looking forward to it, and I'm actually going to be able to do uh, a few good interviews in the next couple of weeks. And once I get confirmation, I will be announcing those on social media and on this podcast, so... Just stay tuned, and I might have a couple of surprises coming in the next month or so. And before we get to our guest this week, I did want to acknowledge the Hulk Hogan controversy that happened. And I wasn't on the Nerd Cave this week, so I didn't get to talk about it with Zach and Robbie. But basically, Hulk Hogan has been erased from WWE. His contract was terminated by WWE. He had a Legends contract, which is basically you make a few appearances a year and you get paid good money for it. His contract was terminated. He was fired from the Tough Enough reality show, which he was a judge on, and his name has been not removed, but if you try to go to the WWE website and you go to the Hall of Fame page and you try to click on the name Hulk Hogan, it doesn't go anywhere. So basically, he's been Chris Benoit by the WWE, and I think it's absolutely crazy. And the reason why is because of some racial remarks that he made in an interview about his daughter Brooke's boyfriend, who is someone of color, and basically used some very derogatory racial language when describing said boyfriend. And it wasn't like a you know, like in a fit of rage that he says something that he regrets. He said it multiple times. And to me, when you are that angry or you just get livid, if you don't normally use racial terms like that, you're not going to say them. I mean, maybe one will slip if you're really, really angry. But the way he used them and the way he said them, it wasn't just an accident. He really meant what he said. And he's going to be in a lot of trouble 
for a long time for this. And what I think it is, and it, I heard this on a wrestling podcast that I listened to, that he's racist to a point. And I'm not saying I agree or disagree with this. I'm just saying that it's what was said. But they're saying that basically, yeah, he'll wrestle someone of color. He'll you know, socialize or he'll go to a meet and greet with them, but he doesn't want anyone other than his own ethnicity to date his two kids. And and it's wrong. I mean, he grew up in Florida, in the southern Florida, Tampa area in the 60s and 70s. And yes, racism was around a lot then. It still is now, but it was a lot more pronounced then. And he needs to really think about what he did, and it's going to be very interesting to see what type of apology he releases, because if it's something that you can tell is fabricated by his publicist, he's going to get buried even more. So what I really think he needs to do is he just needs to be honest, which is something that he's had a hard time doing. And I think what he needs to do is just issue an apology saying, look, I grew up in a time where those types of words were used on a normal basis, I grew up in a completely different era. What I said was wrong, and I apologize for it. He just needs to admit he's wrong and thing and see where things go from there. As far as him being back in WWE anytime soon, I don't think that will happen, but I do believe that eventually he will be back because time heals all wounds, but he's going to have to eat a lot of crow for a long time with this. And I personally, I think WWE was angry because he lied to them about it. Because this happened years ago, and yeah, they knew about the sex tape he did a couple of years ago, but they didn't know about this racial stuff. And I, I think that they did make the right call with terminating his contract and everything and firing him from Tough Enough, but as far as to completely erase him from history... I do think that is a little bit extreme, but we'll definitely see what happens. It's going to be an interesting story to follow, and I I don't think this is going to be the end of it. But that's really the only news story that I wanted to discuss this week, so we'll move right on to our guest, and it's with someone who is a fellow, I won't say podcaster, but a fellow audio show creator. And his name is Jason Lewing. He's a local to Pensacola. He was born and raised here. And he's started his own audio drama. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me because I don't just do a podcast. I'm a fan of podcasts as well. I love listening to podcasts. I'm subscribed to over 20 different shows. And to have something that's more like a radio drama, it's something completely different than what I have than like the Kevin Smith podcast or the wrestling shows that I listen to. I think it's great. And I think his idea that he's come up with, and you're going to hear about it in just a second, but the story he's came up with is really cool. It's like a steampunk type thing, and it's got really good characters. It's got good voice acting, and I would definitely recommend checking it out. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or you can just search for Steam Boys Radio on Podomatic. But rather than sit here and kind of give you vague details of what the story is about, I will let him explain that. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with Jason Lewing from Steam Boys Radio.
And we're here back on the Derek Diamond Experience with my very special guest this week from the Steam Boys Radio Show. We have Mr. Jason Lewing. Jason, how you doing tonight? Hey, man. Good. Good to see you. Thanks. Good. Good to see you, too. I know we've been talking off and on over Facebook over the last several months because I've been following the development of your radio show, which I, I think is is really cool and really unique because I know a lot of local filmmakers, and they'll do short films, feature films, but... Not anybody that does like a radio drama, and I think that's really, really <laughs> cool. So how how did you get the idea to start a radio drama? Like, have you always been into the audio format, or is it like how exactly did you come up with the idea? No, no, I uh, I've always been huge into movies, um, big big movie snob and geek like that. Um, the I idea came to me like one day out of the blue i was over at my buddy's house and uh he was uh talking about like his comic book um company that i was trying to make and um he wanted to put more he wanted to involve more stuff other than just comic books he wanted to be like short stories you know short films stuff like that artwork and um and like it was like, you know, it's so cliched, but a freaking light bulb just went bing, you know, inside my head. And I, and all I could see was like this, like, group of people. And and it first started out like 10-minute scripts, you know, 10-minute audio sort of like deal. And um, and we started talking about that. I was like, oh, yeah, it could be like – it could be like a steampunk type thing. That's what I'm – that's what I've got going on in my head right now. And, you know, we kind of knew what steampunk was, but we weren't really like, you know, to- too you know knowledgeable about the subject. You know, it's just what we've seen on some movies, right. you know. Um, it hadn't blown up yet. You know, as far as we knew, steampunk came uh, – you know, we, we knew about like Jules Verne. Books like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, stuff like that. But anyway, um, I went home that night, and it just um, and it just wouldn't go away. So I, I wanted to keep pursuing this. So I, I started writing down uh, some characters. You know, it was like maybe it started out with like three characters, and then, then it built up to like like eight. And, and then finally I started getting a story around uh, in my head, and – and I was like, well, I don't have a camera, and I don't know how to be a filmmaker, but um, I think I can make something in the audio uh, arena. And, um, you know, I'd listened to audio plays before, but like way back when I was a kid, you know, my grandmother gave me some audio cassettes with like old murder mystery type stuff, mm-hmm. like Sorry, Wrong Number, which is a great audio mystery if you haven't heard it, it's amazing it's scary as hell um so and then i knew that you know back in the 30s you know they that did was stuff the main like, form of entertainment right. was radio yeah they were doing like flash gordon and uh you know the the shadow and mm-hmm. superman and stuff like that so you know and uh, I started writing it. Uh, I started writing. I had like I had this like diary that, it, that uh, I had had for Christmas, and I hadn't filled it up yet. So I just immediately opened that up, started writing down. Okay, this is the first character. This is the second character, and I just was writing all this. Like each character has like a big paragraph underneath them. And finally, I I was 
you know, after about a week, I, I, uh, I rounded out a, a, um, a storyline and, um, and, and then it went from there and it didn't, <laughs> it didn't stay at 10 minute scripts. Right. Like I banged out the first script in a, in a weekend and even that first draft was around 25, 30 minutes. And then I went back and I revamped it a whole lot. And now uh, the finished, uh, it still comes out to about 33, 35 minutes. And then, oh man, like each episode after that I wrote, um, like the f- the next two stick around about 35 minutes. And then it's like, I don't know, I just got to, it got really grandiose. So now, now it's approaching like 45 minutes, almost to an hour. Like the last episode I wrote is going to have to be split into two parts because mm-hmm. it's just too damn long. <laughs> now, how many episodes are there going to be? You think uh, the first ep- the first season, uh, I've got about well, it's going to be seven episodes. Like, well, okay, cool. number six is split into two, part A and B, so that that'll be seven episodes, you know, total. Right. Um, season two, I don't know, maybe maybe about the same, maybe maybe more. Uh, depends on how you know how long I let myself write this thing. Yeah, but no, I like I was saying, I think the audio drama is a really unique and cool idea because you don't really hear about that from too many people. There was one that I recently listened to. And if you haven't listened to it, I would highly recommend it. It's called serial S E R I A L. It's a true story about a murder in Baltimore that happened in the late nineties. And it follows a reporter who is trying to find out if, you know, this, this girl who had been murdered, if her boyfriend, who was convicted of it actually, you know, committed the murder. So I think it's like a, a 12 part series and each episode's 30 to 45 minutes. So a true crime. Yeah. Wow. And what's crazy is after serial came out, the case was reopened. Wow. Yeah. I don't no know. The res- I don't know the result of it, but, <laughs> but like the, the way that it was done was just really really cool it's got you know an opening from the the reporter that's following the story you know you've got your music and your sound effects and it's like she's actually going to this town in baltimore and she's asking people these different questions so it's like you're really following a a true story that's awesome and when i heard the first episode of your show that's what it reminded me of oh yeah is it like do you do all the audio editing yourself oh yeah yeah. That you did a fantastic job. Like I loved everything from the music to the sound effects, the water dripping, the oh, footsteps yeah, well, and everything. It was really really cool. Thanks, man. The uh the putting it together uh there were some like really hectic moments and then there were some like really awesome like I don't know, little small victories that I, when I finally when I got it like you know, I think to myself, oh, you know, this isn't going to probably is not going to I'm not gonna be able to pull this off and then when I when it does when it happened I was like holy shit yes you know it was awesome <laughs> um and that happened most of that's in like this the like the midsection of, of the first episode but um you know all the uh all the audio sound effects I got from a guy that I used to work with at a at a um at a theater out in Milton you know he heard my idea and he's like you know what I got like a thousand or so sounds you know, I'll just burn them to a disc and give them to you if you want. And because uh, at first I was like, "How the hell am I going to do all this?" And you know, I don't have a mic yet. I don't have anything. Um, and he told me that, and and I said, "All right, well, I'll 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 come back to you if you know if this thing really happens." And 
you know, if I'm serious about this, I'm going to, I'll go get myself some gear. So I, so I went and I got the gear I needed and then I called them back up and I was like, Hey man, I got it. Let's go. You know? Uh, and then the music came from a fellow, um, who specializes in his own music. Um, uh, this fellow named Mark Rossmore and he's got his own website, escape the com, And it's all specialized, you know, steampunk theme type music. And he performs here, performs in Louisiana, uh, like New Orleans, Biloxi. Cool. Uh, he was just at a steampunk um, sort of like convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he helped me out a lot with that. And all I got to do is send him my new script and say, okay, these are my ideas for the new music cues. That's really cool. And it, using resources like that, especially when you're doing a project yourself, you have to take advantage of it. So if you can get... Luckily, you know, you found someone who had music that had over a thousand sounds. Totally lucky. And this is all nothing but luck. Like I, I was just sitting after a show one time that, that we had just finished and I was just spouting off one day or one that, that night and the guy overheard me. So he offered that up and then, you know, I, I asked around about, you know, what could I do for music? And some people say, well, you should try this person or that person. And I just messaged them and, you know, they were kind enough to, you know, lend me some generosity. Yeah. When you were casting for Steam Boys Radio, like, did you, when you were writing the script, did you have specific people in mind yeah. for different roles? Yeah. Like for my lead, my lead uh, character, uh, Joanna, um, I wanted... Um, my um i wanted the actor brooke martin because mm-hmm. um i knew that she could bring a, a a certain level of strength to that character um uh, and uh there was a couple other people uh let's see lisa lisa goodness mm-hmm. i wanted uh well first the character she's playing was male but then you know what i i was thinking like well you know it could easily be shifted over to to female no problem so um I wanted to write for her. And then um, other than that, um, I think everyone else I just I just auditioned. So doing auditions, because I, I, I kind of know how it is with film. How different is it auditioning for audio? Like do you just, you know, set up a microphone and a mixer and say, you know, say these lines and then you review them? I'm <laughs> I'm a lot more informal. Uh I started out very formally. I would meet them in person and and I didn't have a mic. This was before I had anything. I just had my phone. So I just mm-hmm. I just uh opened up the the sound recording app on my phone and just said, you know, I've got these lines. Go ahead and read these. Let me hear what you sound like. And, you know, it that scheduling started to get a little just too hectic. So I went just way relaxed and said, I can either send you some sides if you want, or you can just read a passage out of a book, record it, send me, send it to my email. And I just, you know, I'll, I'll, I just want to hear what you sound like. You don't have to do anything fancy. You know, if you can do some, if you can do any accents or any special voices, you know, I'd love to hear them. And that's basically how I go about it now. You know, if I get somebody out of the blue says, Hey man, I, you know, I want to be in your show. How do I get involved? That's what I, that's what I do. I, I said, I'm okay. Well, just do this, do this, send it to my email, and then you know, if, if we're if we're cool, then yeah, you know, I'll bring you in. You know, it may be a little bit of time because I've already written uh, a lot uh, for, for a lot of the characters already. But you know, there's, you know, there'll be episodes where all of a sudden I'll 
I'll just think up a new character. And mm. I'm like, well, you know, I need somebody, you know, I need somebody for that, you know, and who do I have that, that could either, you know, play this character or, um, you know, by shifting their voice to sound totally different or, um, you know, I can just send a shout out, you know, on Emerald Coast or something like that. Or, um, Which or, is a great page, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Totally. You know, it's nothing but, you know, good opportunities for, you know, local actors and, and people are always looking for work. Yep. So <laughs> uh, who who are some of the other cast members that you have on your on your radio show? Well, we got um, a fella who's not an actor at all. His name is Michael Fermenko. Um, he's a uh, I've known him since, you know, we were high schoolers. Um, he plays Jackson Collins. Mm-hmm. Um who's Joanna's right-hand man. They've known each other for years. Uh, Kevin Gaddy plays mm-hmm. Joanna's father. He, he's, he's really excellent, too. Um, Shannon Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays uh, the colonel. Um, see, uh, Kevin Gaddy plays the father of, of Joanna, but he's the, the admiral of the entire fleet. Um, and Shannon plays... Um, the colonel, so he's right. He's 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 um, Kevin's basic uh, military partner, right? Um, and I'm lucky because both of them have military experience. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, that's really cool. So you know, uh, I'm writing this stuff. I I don't come from a military background whatsoever. I only know what I've seen in TV shows and movies and stuff. So I try to keep it vague, a little vague. Just so I don't <laughs> come yeah. out sounding like an idiot, right? You know, um, and whatever I don't know, I either ask them or I uh, look online or whoever else that has military uh, background. You know, it's crazy how things yeah. work like that. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see who else. Um, well, Lisa Goodness is is uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Helmsley, uh, Martin Ross, Henny. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's playing a, a a character that's coming in the second episode and in the third. There's another fellow named Tori Dillard, um, and these are just like small roles right now. And uh, Bob Lamar, he's a he's been a local actor for a very long time. He plays the character Jerry. Mm-hmm. And Phil Baker, he plays Charles, the the younger brother. Um, and let's see. Uh, there's a new group of guys that I just cast, uh, Philip Posey, Ken mm-hmm. Armitage, and Polly Larson. They play these um, sky pirate kids that I call the Dandelions. And like I said, they were just characters that just sort of popped into my head. And probably because I, you know, um, from all the all the stuff that I've seen, you know, it's just pff, seeds in the head, you know. It's like mm-hmm. they just came out of the blue. Like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Let me write about those guys. <laughs> and at first I wanted to go with actual kids. But, um, you know, these guys are a little too rough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted them to be – I was basically writing – I don't uh, – I was basically writing uh, the street gang from Oliver. Okay. But they have an airship. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, is and that's one cool thing about doing an audio show is it kind of 
leaves it open to interpretation as to what everything actually looks like. Like I could think of it as something different than what you would or someone else could listen to it and they visualize it yeah. completely different than either of us do. Exactly. I'm not going to lie. As I was listening to it, I was thinking of the world of Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. See, I, uh, okay. Yeah. Cause it's not when, when, when you think steampunk, you think, you know, 19th century London yeah. and, and people using the old style language. But I, I think mine is more like old West mm-hmm. with some of the old language, but it's, it's a little bit more modern sounding, I suppose. Uh, I, they use a lot more contractions and, um, I don't know. I just didn't want to come off as super cheesy. Well, I, I don't think it did at all. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> Mission accomplished. Because like I said, I, when we talked about it months ago, because I've been following the production yeah. of it, because I've seen you, know, you post that you're looking for voice actors mm-hmm. and then you know working on episode one of Steam Boys Radio. And yeah. I was actually really looking forward to hearing it, because you know, even though I don't just do a podcast, I like listening to them yeah. as well. Because to me, they're great to pass the time and do you know, chores around the house. Like I'll put my earbuds in and I'll do dishes, do laundry and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And it's just another, another thing to add to it. And it's something completely different than anything else that I have. You listen to your own stuff? No. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't believe how many times I've listened to the first episode of my own stuff. It's like, okay, it's, it's part it's part. It's one part, you know, probably freaking total vanity. Mm-hmm. And the second part, okay, what did I screw up on? There have been a few shows that I've listened to, like that I've done. Because m- most of it is like when I first started doing it, and it's going to sound kind of weird, I hated hearing my own voice. Yeah, that's always the case. And to me, I sound like the most bland, boring <laughs> person on the planet. Yeah. So I'm like, no one's going to want to, you know, hear me talk for whatever. And I hate, hear- I hate hearing it myself. But I guess now I tolerate it instead <laughs> of just disliking it. But, yeah. But no, I, I do listen back to it from time to time, like mostly through the editing mm-hmm. process, because I record, you know, the intro and outro separately than I do the interview. So oh, okay. I have to listen to it to kind of time it with the, yeah, with the music and everything. So in that aspect, I do. But usually as far as going back and listening to the full show, for the most part, I don't just because I already know what's going to be in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I gotcha. But no, it's. <laughs> I think it's it's really cool. And I was just I was primarily asking who's been in it just because most of those names I recognize. Yeah, because through through doing this and working through other film projects, it's it's really kind of a small world. Yeah, we live in we're a small community, the, man. The, yeah, the community because. Mo- I think other than two or three people, I recognize all the names yeah. that you just said. And being part of the Emerald Coast film group page, you know, and just seeing different people make posts and yeah. you know, getting a, a face with the name and everything. Yeah, Darla Braganti Kane's going to be in it. Yep, former guest of mine as well. She, uh, she's in it. Stephen Marlowe played a uh, mm-hmm. played a guy. Um, Andrew Metzger. I don't know if you know who he is, but he plays the uncle. And he comes I, I, he in doesn't a, sound familiar. Yeah, um, yeah. He he he's not. He's he's more. He's more on the stage. Okay. Yeah. And and I know you mentioned when we were talking off air. You've done some stage work yourself. Yeah, mostly theater background. How, how long ago was that? Oh God, I did my first show in '97, um, and it was a big musical on the Sanger Theater, and it was totally by like, you know, whatever, you know, let's. 
let's try to do a musical type thing. And, and you know, before that, it was like, I'm not getting on stage. <laughs> I'm not doing that crap, getting in front of freaking like 100 or 1,000 people. And then um, I was with somebody, uh, the girlfriend at the time, we were at some party and they did that. I don't know if you've ever done it, but it's like a murder mystery type deal it's like a, i've darla explained it oh, to okay. me when I, when she was on my show but yeah. I've, I've personally never been to one but I, okay. I know i know what it is um and you know we read the scripts and it was fun and we had a cool party and then we left and so anyway she says to me you know you you got a really good you know voice to to read scripts and stuff you should try out for a play and i'm like yeah right whatever and then she kept bugging me about it so i was like fine all right um so the first audition I went to was for um, a show called Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Mm-hmm. And I chickened out of that, left, didn't come back. Uh, second show I tried out was for, um, I think, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. Chickened out of that one, too. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> the so third, was it just the anxiety yes. of being on a stage oh my in front God. of people? Yeah, ridiculous. And then I went to an audition at the... At then called uh, Pensacola Junior College, um, mm-hmm. and auditioned, and I went to the audition for the Secret Garden, and I was walking out the door for that one too. I was like, "No, I'm done. I can't do this anymore." And then I stopped myself, turned myself back around, went back inside, made myself audition, and I was so nervous I couldn't even remember the words to my song because when you audition for a musical, you have to know like a few a few uh, lines of a song, you know, just to give them an idea of what you sound like. If you sound good or if you sound like crap. And if you don't have a song, you get to sing Happy Birthday, which is, <laughs> I don't know why. Mary Had a Little Lamb might be a little bit more creative. Yeah. Um, but I had to stand behind the pianist and read my, read the words because I had totally forgotten them. I was so damn scared. And then, um, and then I did a little bit more of an audition like they call me back and then it was it was over it was it lasted like 2 hours and mm-hmm. then and then I left um my father and I and my brother we went to Orlando to go to Disney World and we were just going to chill out and then I got a call that night and they said you got the part and I did the show wow yeah it was like it was it was amazing right so we we rehearsed for like almost three months and then we got to perform at the Sanger Theater and we got to use actual Broadway gear all the props all the all the costumes everything but we only got to show for like three days you know if you go to see a play at PLT even they last you know two weekends Mm -hmm. but but you know I didn't know and I was a newcomer so three days, and then and and we had that great experience. And then after that, I just kept doing more. And then um, I got involved in a in a theater um, over on Twelfth uh, Avenue. It's not there anymore. They were called the Lob Lolly. And I got more involved in in um, I got away from musicals. You know, they were all right. They were more fun. But I want. I guess I wanted to get more of a, a challenge. So. Um, I worked for a theater called The Lob Lolly for a number of years, and they did all original works, and it was like off-Broadway-style shows. I like that. Yeah. Doing original stuff. Yeah, and and, and you really learn a whole lot um, doing that type of stuff. Uh, I thought that was more of a school than, than a theater for me, 
And it was soon after that that I I decided, well, this is what I think I want to do with myself. I'm going to go find a theater school to go get a degree in. So I auditioned for Juilliard. I auditioned for DePaul University in Chicago. And then I auditioned for Cornish out in Seattle. And I got the Cornish one. So I left, moved out to Seattle and went there for about a year and a semester. And then I got, and then I left um, Seattle and I went over to New York and joined up with some friends over there, was, got lucky enough to do a play there. And that was only because the guy was, he called up and he was, he was trashed. And, and the, the director had seen my face enough that she scanned the crowd and she was like, uh, you, you, you will take his place. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, we're going up in two days. Right. Um, Jeez. and, but yeah, uh, ever since, since 97, I've been doing theater and I've done some film here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but only just recently, you know, I worked with Max and Hughes mm-hmm. on uh, Remnant, and I also worked with him on um, uh, a little bit on his show Victors, and um, and then the, there was the there was a vampire show he was doing, and but but Remnant was the one I think I liked the most. Uh, we did some good work there, um, and then I did a couple of cute. <laughs> ridiculous uh psas mm-hmm. uh with a guy named adam hembro and it was all about addiction mm-hmm. um but he turned it into you know something dark and dreary like you know instead of me shooting up with a freaking you know rusty heroin needle um the guy i'm playing is addicted to, to eating lawn grass <laughs> so you know it's he's got he made three different PSAs about this and it's all about me like stuffing grass in my face and 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 the wife comes home and she sees me you know covered in, in lawn grass she's like not again you're like how many times do I have to deal with this from you you know <laughs> say no to grass yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> I would be very interested in seeing those <laughs> well yeah just just uh, I don't know you can either look him up on YouTube. Or um, that's probably the quickest way to look to, to find those. Uh, I don't know, grass eater, maybe. I have no grass idea. Eater. Or you know what? You just go on my you just go on my personal Facebook page. I've got them listed there because I'm like, yeah, they're ridiculous, but here they are. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> now, that sounds so crazy and over the top that yeah. I've I've got to see it. Now you mentioned going to Seattle, then New York. Are you like originally from here? Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Pensacola. I was born here. Um, my family and I moved uh, all over the place, um, and it's and it's for uh, my f- my father was in medical business rather than military, so he just went wherever the money was. Mm-hmm. You know, we lived in California. We lived in um, Louisiana. We lived in Southern Florida, and then our last stint was up in New Jersey, where he li- he worked in Manhattan and. That was the first time I ever saw New York. That was like 1985. Um, and then we came back here. But it's like every time we moved somewhere, we came back here. This was like our hub. And then I ended up going off on my own. So when you moved to Seattle, was that your first time like moving off on your own? Yeah. It had to have been a little bit of a scary experience. You think? Yeah. Because my, my girlfriend did the same thing. She's from here, and then she just you know decided to move across the country. Right. So I, I can imagine it's a, <laughs> kind of a... 
you know, nerve wracking experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, most of my friends that left high school or I'm sorry, left, uh, left home ap- after high school or, or during college, you know, they, they kept to the general vicinity, you know, Oh, I'm going to FSU or I'm going to Orlando. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Seattle. Yeah. Okay. That's nuts. Sure. <laughs> But uh, how how is Seattle like, as as a city? Oh my god, it's awesome. Yeah, it rains, but it's not like our rain. It's mm-hmm. like seven months, seven or eight months of drizzle. So that's exactly what she said. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. Uh, first year, I hated it. You know, it was cold. It was dark. Um, and um, that was that was like the worst time for me. The second year, I got more. But but you know, thank God I had school to take my mind off of it. Uh, but anyway, uh, second year was a little bit easier, and by th- by third year I was like, eh, yeah, okay, I kind of dig it. And then mm-hmm. by year four I was like, cool, this place is awesome. There's so much to do. There's so many like places to go and eat, and not just American food. You got like a a, a variety of cultures you can go visit and eat their food. They even have Swahili food down there. Mm-hmm. Um, all the independent theaters you want, if you're into that, you know, like cash only, you know, get <laughs> you got the guys there, you know, treat you like garbage. I, I didn't, I didn't care for that, but I, but you know, you got it's it was like all the difference between a megaplex, you know, to go see the major blockbusters, and then and then you know you find the tiny little. Uh, holes in the wall to mm-hmm. go see, you know, the really cool like indie stuff. Like I saw, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. Which they didn't show in any of the larger theaters. You had to go into like the artsy fartsy tar- uh, part of town. It, I, I went and saw it at this place that they had converted from a, an old YWCA from like the 20s. Mm-hmm. They turned it into this magnificent um, cinema, you know, not just, you know, bucket seats and shitty stereo you know they, they went all out with this stuff uh that's something i wish that we had here i mean i know there's the theater in gulf Breeze, yeah but they they redid the rex theater oh, yeah. on palafox but they don't really do anything with it. i know i wish that they would show like the indie movies there i, I would, know i would go no kidding but you should go to to that one in gulf breeze they 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 they've got a new management there and they're bringing in like major like really cool off the beaten path type stuff. I mean that's good. I like I like the mega blockbuster stuff, you know, mm-hmm. all the Avengers, all all the all the, you know, effects driven stuff, but then I need to go out and see something that's more story driven, more mm-hmm. character driven, you know, it's got an excellent story. Uh and they've got all of that. It's like, "Oh my god, freaking Seattle came here." Yes. You know, that was like that's my usual birthday spot, you know, I'll Take take off from work and I'm and usually they're having a, a film fest down there and I'll just spend the whole day mm-hmm. and people think that's weird but who gives a shit? No, exactly. <laughs> but no, it, it's that's what I love too. Like you know, I love you know I'm a huge comic book geek. Yeah. I love the Avengers. I love you know the Spider Mans, the Batman's, all those types of movies. But I do love smaller story driven movies too. Yeah, because one day I can sit there and I can watch the Avengers and mm-hmm. I'll love it. But then the next day I'll watch something like like Sideways yeah. with Jim or something, you know, or like Smart People with Dennis mm-hmm. Quaid, you know, something like that. Something that's just it's just a fun story to follow. Yeah. I mean I and, could and go and on I, and on about it. What? So no, I'll I'll have to 
I'll have to go check out the Gulf Breeze Theater. Yep. Yeah. They they'll they're doing more theme stuff. Um every so often. So just get on their mailing list. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. All right, there are two two things I wanted to ask you. One, I mentioned that listening to your show, I visualized the movie Mad Max. Yeah. Specifically the new one. Have you seen it? Oh yeah. Did you like it? Um I need to let it grow on me, honestly. Really? Um I enjoyed after that I went back and rewatched the original Mad Max and then Road Warrior. Um I mean, it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just to think most of those effects were practical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, which is I'm I'm stoked about it, you know. That's that's what I'm stoked about for the new Star Wars too. Mm-hmm. But um there's some movies that instantly grab me and then there's others that that take time. Like um like Big Lebowski, when I first saw it, I don't know what the hell I was watching. I was like, shut the hell up, Walter. You suck. And then by like the third viewing, I was cheering. It was you awesome. Wanted, you wanted to say, no, Walter, you're out of your element. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> shut the hell up, Donnie. Exactly. Um, but but Nad Max, oh my. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch it a few times. Um, I definitely loved their choices for for the characters, you know. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy as 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 Max cool. I wish he would have talked more. Mm-hmm. Charlize Theron was amazing. That was Furiosa. She was the best actor in that movie. Yeah, exactly. And I loved the way that the two were paired up and that they complemented each other. They were equally violent, but they weren't trying to be like, "No, I'm the best." No, I'm the best. Yeah. You know, yeah, whatever. I, they both kicked ass equally. I think George Miller has done a really good job of establishing the post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Like now, when I think post-apocalyptic, like if I'm reading a book that takes place in that time, I think of his version of what it's like. Right. That's what I would think, too. You know? And the fact that he, you know, he's in his 60s now, and he made that movie, and you could make the argument that it's the best movie of the summer. <laughs> and the fact that I, rem- I remember following that movie for a long time, and it was in development hell for a while. Was and it? then once they actually started making it, it took forever. And I'm like, why is this taking so long? And then I find out all but pretty much that windstorm is all practical effects. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Real stuntmen. And no one really got hurt. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Because they looked like they were busting heads left and right. No one got seriously <laughs> injured on that set. Oh, my God. Which is unreal to think about. Yeah. You know, it. it if he brought like any of his old stuff, Road Warrior, and to now, mm-hmm. if you if like he redid Road Warrior, I could see it, the visuals, the the environment. You know, that is true. George Miller, you know, uh, Road Warrior, Mad Max, um, to the T, and, and only he could do it. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that he was brought back to do it because to yeah. me, no one else can do those movies but George Miller. You know, I walked away from it, and I was like, well. Okay, it was a two-hour-long car chase, mm-hmm. but Rotten Tomatoes gave it like a, a near-perfect score. Everyone I heard, you know, was loving. It. I'm like, what the hell am I missing here? I need to go back and check it out. And there's a couple other stuff that I that, that there's a couple other things like that. Like I need to go back. I need to see what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. I need to figure this out. Um, but 
even the bad guy, he he was an original. He was one of the original. Uh, he's from Mad Max. He's from the original Mad Max, the main really? bad guy. Yeah, um, he was the um, he was their leader. He was the he was the he was the big bad guy leader. Um, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, that's well, it, him. it's been so long since I've seen the original trilogy. Yeah. No, I did not know that. That's crazy. <laughs> but then, you know, I go back and I see the original and I'm like, well, that's, you know, a big long car chase too with very mm-hmm. minimal speaking to each other. I think I think I think uh one of the things that that I need to get over is the fact that the characters who know each other, you don't get any type of explanation. Like when Furiosa meets her clan out in the, in the in the desert, you know they know who she is. They've got the history. You don't get any of that history, mm-hmm. and I was missing out on that. I, I wanted more. I wanted to know more about Furiosa. I want to know about. I, I do agree. There could have been a little more character development because mm-hmm. the, the I think with dialogue they went with pretty much the minimum. Oh, yeah. for everything because the car chase is. The story, a character itself. Yeah, it's to me. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy. To me, the soundtrack is its own character. Exactly, the music was so important in you that had movie. To be and that it's way. just a mixtape of seventies right. rock songs. Yeah, but it's a very important character in the yeah. movie. So environments can be characters in their own right. Yeah. So give me some time, man. I might come back. I might. I might. Uh, I might uh, turn around on this. <laughs> <laughs> And last thing, how can people find Steam Boys Radio, and when is episode two coming out? Uh, well, I have just started um, doing post on the footage of episode two, and luckily this is about as long as the first one, so it won't take me too long. Um, but now I know what I have done. I Now I'm, I'm correcting my mistakes from the first and it's taking me just a little bit longer. Um, and this is just, this is just, you know, the minutest of sound details that I'm trying to either erase or just minimize. Um, as far, and, and I'm thinking maybe end of August. That's a okay. total guesstimation, but I'm thinking that should be pretty, a pretty safe guess. Um, we're on, right now, I, I'm, we're on, uh, we're mostly on just Facebook and Twitter. Um, uh, I've got the episode listed at SoundCloud, uh, on nice. Podomatic. Mm-hmm. I just scored Stitcher Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on iTunes, and you can just if you search for if you go on any of those sites and you search for Steam Boys Radio Show, um, it'll it'll come up. Um, I'm a better writer than I am a marketer. That's that's the that's the lesson I'm learning. Uh, with this, along with the along with the sound editing, well, marketing is very much a trial and error type thing. If yeah. you, I mean, if you've never done it, because how I've learned it is through doing the podcasts, yeah, and trying to promote them. So, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. So you know, I I take advice from wherever I can get it. So I just need to talk to to more people. But anyway, that's you know, how you get it. Sweet. And I appreciate you very much for coming on the show. This was fun. Thanks a lot, man. My thanks again to Jason Lewing for stopping by and having that really fun conversation. And don't forget to check out episode one of Steam Boys Radio, now available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on Podomatic. And you can also check out our shows, also available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, 
or you can stream them directly at nerdcavenetwork.com. We have four different podcasts for your listening pleasure. Every Tuesday, we have the Nerd Cave Podcast with myself, Robbie Rawls, and Zach Dykes. Thursdays, we have the Derek Diamond Experience. Saturday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, we have the Pop Culture Palette. And coming soon is the return of Time for Comics. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, all under Nerd Cave Network. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.